Hi, this is Sean Cahill, and you're listening to the UFO Podcast. Uh, are there any aspects of the document that you think now or at the time potentially contains false information for, for any particular reason? I don't think false information, but what gives me a surprise is they talk about the bigot list, people who would be read into the program, and it says 400 to 800 people. That seems like a lot of people for such a closely held program. Um, if that's true, there's going to be a lot of people that can be subpoenaed and put under oath to speak about this program. Like, say it, say it's been going on for since the late 40s. That could make sense. That many years, that many people. Um, Eric Davis, uh, I pulled up a tweet today where he says one of his interviews that the program was buried so deep to hide it from the the Collins elite folks who think all of this is satanic and do whatever they can when they get in positions of power to kill any UFO related program. So Davis says it was buried to keep it from those morons. That's a quote. Um, Eric Davis does not hold back. Um, do you not think as well with, with that number that would include people like if he's telling the truth a Bob Lazar who who claims he worked on uh, you know a, a flying saucer reverse engineering there would have been other people working on it if they did indeed have multiple flying saucers you would imagine there might be small teams working on them but those teams come and go if the progress has been slow over the decades as you say and eventually almost ground to a halt you probably would have a high churn rate of people where it's, you know, I've got Joe and I've got Andy, they're working on this, this is their background, theoretical physics, advanced quantum physics, all that kind of stuff. They're not making much progress. Let's get them out. Let's get another couple of folks in. And then that happening in multiple locations. Yeah, you could see why that could be a 400 to 800 people list. Yeah, and and, and in the notes, it talks about one intact craft. So nothing about Bob Lazar's, I think he said nine, uh, crafty saw at Area 51. Um, it's funny because Eric Davis thinks Bob Lazar is not telling the truth. I, you know, if you read the documents, it's interesting. I'm not sure if it says in here or in one of, I think it's one of one of Eric Davis's interviews. He said the program was put into hibernation in 1989. Uh, throughout the years, it happens where they put it into hibernation and they wait for technology to advance. And then they bring it out of hibernation and they try again to back reverse engineer and they fail because they can't make heads and tails out of the technology. So Bob Lazar supposedly had his work. He worked at area 51 S4 in 1989. So at that point I'm like, maybe there is some truth to Lazar. And I've been 50 50 on Lazar for a long time. Like I said, Eric Davis does not believe him. Eric, uh, George Knapp and Corbell believe him 100%. I'm friends with all of those folks. So, and I stay 50 50, not to placate them. If I thought he was totally full of crap, I would say so. I don't know, but there are people out there who like say, how could you not know? It's he's obviously lying. And then you got the other side. So I try to avoid it. It's such a it's such a it's such a controversial, he's such a controversial subject. I do love the story. Whether or not it's real or not, I love the Bob Lazar story. Yeah. Speaking with a friend of mine. Yeah, it's a great story. I went to see the premiere of his his documentary in LA. It was fun. He was there. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know about that. As far as how many people worked on it, yeah. It still seems like a lot, 400 to 800. I mean, they mentioned four programs in here. Wilson found four UFO-related programs. That number comes up in other places. I don't think they would all be reverse engineering. It could be biology if there are bodies. Um, really one important thing that, you know, Edgar Mitchell started speaking about this in 2007. Uh, Giuliano set up an interview and, you know, he, he was talking about how, you know, he went to visit a high-level office, office and he was told, yeah, you know, you cannot have access to that. And then Edgar Mitchell was on Larry King in 2008, um, and he told the story. He said, you know, I went to the Pentagon for an, a meeting with the Intelligence Committee of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and this gentleman, a vice admiral, said, you know, he should be in charge. Um, and then we got calls from him, from him uh, sometime later. I believe Wilson called Miller. I, I, don't, I don't believe he called Greer, although Greer claims Wilson called him. I think it was Miller was the point man. Um, we got calls from him later saying he found the people responsible for the cover-up and the people who are in the know. And he was told, I'm sorry, Admiral, you do not have a need to know. And so goodbye, because people are saying this document really, really just was a throwaway document, a script. So Edgar Mitchell was dumb enough to just take a script into his private collection and he's telling the story. But more importantly, in 2010, he was interviewed for H Plus Magazine. And it's important. He goes, um, 
Greer told Commander Miller, who called me, and like I said, Miller is the point person. I don't know if Mitchell was trying to protect Miller. Um, Miller called me and said, yes, Greer heard from the Admiral. I don't believe that. Um, And people are like, what do you believe? You believe some stuff and not? Well, when it's Greer, it's a little questionable. But Miller was the point man, as far as I know. It says, quote, yes, Greer heard from the Admiral, and he's confirmed that there was an office in the Pentagon funding all of this. Subsequently, another contact of mine, this is Mitchell, who must also remain nameless because he's on classified programs, that's Eric Davis, encountered the Admiral in Las Vegas, where he had been looking for and trying to get into the so-called strategic access program around the UFO incident and had been denied. So that's Edgar Mitchell in 2010. So it's like, that's telling you the story. And also on Larry King, he said, he mentioned a report. He goes, we got calls from Wilson later and then a report, which I think is the Wilson Davis notes. And there were more than just, there are other people. Jacques Vallée needs to be asked, when did you get your notes? Because he's been asked about this, but he wasn't really pressed. Um, it was a very small amount of people who had it. Hal Putoff would have it. Um, more people need to be asked. But like I said, the story is really not the documents. But for me, I like the story. I don't get tired of it. I've read this so many times, Andy. I mean, I still can't comprehend every name and every detail of what everybody did in this document. But it's um, it's an interesting read for me. And the same players I mentioned, Hal Putoff, Kit Green. That's another question that comes up. Why is it the same people over and over again? Eric Davis, Hal Putoff, Kit Green, Gary Nolan, Jacques Vallée, because there's only a small amount of people who are willing to look into the subject and have their name attached to UFOs. That's always been a problem. It's still a problem. You have Travis Taylor now coming out, head of the UAP task force. Well, it's the same thing. There's not a lot of people who are willing to attach their name to it. So you're going to see the same people. I hope that changes in my lifetime where it's like every scientist wants to get in on this and give their opinion and look at the evidence. It has not happened yet. Have you ever heard of similar meetings taking place with anyone, either the folks you've just named there or or otherwise, that just aren't as well known as this? Well, Kit Green told uh, Richard Dolan, and I'm going by memory, that he was told on several occasions that he would be read into the big mother of all UFO programs. You're going to get access to the top program. And every time, it never happened. So... In a similar incident, which Eric Weinstein said recently, you know who he is, the mathematician who's yes. admitted quite, quite, he was wrong. He's quite vocal on UFOs, so now on he Twitter is. as well, yeah. And he said something really interesting the other day, because we heard Sam Harris speak about how supposedly people contacted him trying to get, he's, they're going to use him to get out information about I UFOs. remember, yeah. Well, Eric Weinstein said, is it Weinstein or Weinstein? I forget. But anyway, I don't want to butcher his name. He said that he was told he was going to be shown more information you know, I don't know if he was going to be read in. And he said every time they got to the point where they were going to show them, show him, it didn't happen, which matches what Kit Green said. So the skeptical side of me says that's because they don't have anything. They're never going to show you. They're going to keep they're going to keep running, you know, keep tagging you along. But you're never going to get to see anything. Um, we never get to hear Congress say, I can't tell you. I can't show you what I saw, but I could describe what I saw. Why not? Why can't you? Why can't these people describe what they're seeing in these videos? We have not even gotten that. So now I sound like now I sound like a debunker. See what you brought out in me, Andy? <laughs> well, listen. Let, let's bring that full circle. I mentioned that this has come back into the conversation as we talk in 2022 because of Congressman Mike Gallagher submitting the Wilson Davis memo into public record. Now that doesn't mean the documents are legitimate, uh, and not he at all. That. But it's it's a huge thing, and I think I the first thing I tweeted during the hearings, Joe, I watched them live in my kitchen, was um, when I heard that mentioned. I think I went straight onto Twitter and said somewhere, Joe Murdoch just let a huge scream, um, and I didn't, I didn't, I did not. <laughs> what, I just, what was your reaction though when you heard that? I was I was calm. I was you know I was going live, so I had I had my mic open. I'm not sure, but I, I didn't really say much. I wasn't shocked. I was surprised. Um, it hit me later on. And then I can only say that Gallagher is not letting this go. So there's more there. There, there, there will be more related to that. Um, but all you need to see is, is Nolan talking about how we're so close to immunity. And anybody related to these crash retrieval programs, if they exist, they need immunity. And if that language is finished, 
that's going to be a, a huge thing. Once again, I don't know if the public's going to see it. Um, but that was a big deal. I mean, and I you know, like you said, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't prove the documents are real. But if anybody thought that Gallagher did that without doing his due diligence and looking into that, I think, I think they would be wrong to assume that. Gallagher's very, very sharp, and he came out of nowhere. I didn't know who the guy was beforehand. Yeah. So, we, you know, we have Rubio, we have Gillibrand, we have Gallego. Now we have Mike Gallagher. Yeah, and I, particularly for those of us outside of the US, sometimes I, I'll i get the odd comment from listeners and they'll say, you know, this this person's a Republican, this one's a Democrat, and their politics is this, this, and this. I, I don't have an interest in the politics. I, I don't particularly know, don't particularly care. I, I care even less about the, the UK side of things as well. It's just, you know, politicians are politicians at the end of the day. For me, the story here is their interest in the UFO subject and what they can bring to that. Not to say these people aren't nice people, bad people, or or something in between. But yeah, Mike Gallagher made himself a bit of a UFO star in that moment. And he's someone that, given his relatively young age as well, people are now looking to to see what he can bring as things go forward. Do you think Mike Gallagher someone who, who clearly has a real interest in the subject now from his subsequent interviews? And do you think with him submitting something like the Wilson Davis memo, I agree, he clearly has done his due diligence on this and he knows more than he lets on. How well read into the subject do you think he is? And how far do you think someone with that young burgeoning political career can go with this subject? I, I don't know how, how, how much reading he has done on the subject. I know he's talked about people who have educated him on the subject saying, their favorite theory that they told Gallagher. I don't know if he said interdimensional and time travel, but um, I'm like, yeah, I love that because I, it, it gets tiring to see every news report say, you know, there, there's no evidence they're extraterrestrial. And I want to scream and say, we're not saying they're extraterrestrial. We're not saying that. We're saying anomalous with all possibilities, including time travel, interdimensional, ultra-terrestrial based on this planet. So it was nice to see him say that, somebody, you know, congressman. Um, I think he'll stay on this, but I don't think he can do it himself. He needs help, and I'm sure he'll get help behind the scenes. And the people who educated him on the different theories, I'm sure they're going to help him. Um, whether or not how much pushback is going to be, the people who don't want this, who do not want this out, I'm not sure. We're going to have a battle between Congress and the folks, the folks who have this secret, who are they're not mil- they're not the folks that are in office or in their positions, and then they retire or they're. You know, the people who are appointed, it's not those folks. It's the po- folks who are lifelong civilian employees. They're there forever. Those are the folks who have the secrets and the engineers and scientists who work in the programs. Obviously, those folks, that's most of what the bigot list was made up of. Wilson said they were scientists, program people who worked in the program, engineers and scientists. Um, you know, you don't tell a politician a secret like that because they're going to be out of office in two years. That's why the president wouldn't know. President should know, but in their thinking, you don't tell the people who are not going to be around. The folks who are there for a career, that's the folks who know. Um, so I, 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 we need the Senate. You know, Gallagher's great, but I want to see – I've seen the way Senator Gillibrand asked questions of the one gentleman who was his – I forget what position it was for the IG for – for the entire DOD, I think it was his um, confirmation, pre-confirmation hearing, but she was relentless. She's like, you need to find this out before you come back to me. Yeah, um, is that the one he was quite flippant with his response? And she yes, pulled and him up and says, you eye. should have done your research on this already. You shouldn't yes. give me that answer. We have not seen the follow-up to that meeting. I'm not sure what happened, but she is not going to let this go. And hopefully Rubio will not either and all of the other folks. And I do not care. People are like, do you know how disgusting Rubio is, like you said, politics. I'm like, I understand. I don't like his politics. I'm very far left. Irrelevant in this case. Irrelevant. Absolutely. Uh, listen, let's get to listener questions, uh, Joe. We've covered a lot. if anything of I left out, uh, let me know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Joe, you're fantastically available on uh, social media, so people can always get in touch with you, and you're you're really good at answering stuff as well. So, um, Yeah, I, people, people watching, I will do it. I'll do an ask me anything on this or anything soon. So you can ask whatever. Awesome. Um, there's a lot of listener questions here as well. We'll get through what we can. Um, from Josh, first off, Joe, um, 
Joe, can you help those of us who, this is a bit of a long question, but I'll, I'll get to the point. Um, can you help those of us who ha- only have a basic understanding of who Eric Davis is get a firmer grasp on why so many people want him to be part of these confirmation uh, conversations and have this sort of info? Several times in the notes, his reputation is noted, but I think since Davis allegedly wrote the notes himself, the details are pretty light. Just who exactly is this guy? Who is Eric Davis? And how important is he to the study of the phenomenon? He's a brilliant man who is an experiencer, which, and he is not shy about talking about his experiences. And I'm sure with some people, they're like, well, he loses credibility. Well, for me, he doesn't. He's had experiences at Skinwalker Ranch. He had his sighting back in Arizona. Uh, he's very open-minded, very scientific method. He doesn't come to conclusions as far as what we're dealing with. He's written a paper with Jacques Vallée talking about the the psychic aspects of the phenomena. It's not just physical. Um, we both, I remember talking to him about um, about one of my favorite books, Operation Trojan Horse uh, by John Keel. And he's like, yeah, I read that in eighth grade. Uh, the most amazing memory, the most, he knows so much about ufology, no matter what you ask him about. Um, memory wise, I forgot to tell you, I asked him about something that happened in Vegas Back in, I don't know if it was 2000, whatever. It was it was such a long time ago. And it was a friend of mine who owned a print shop. He's like, oh, yeah, I went in there. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I'm like, how do you remember that? So with that memory, with those clearances, with the interest in the subject, he's like the perfect combination of what you want in a UFO researcher. He has access over the years. He gets to see things. He gets to look and see things that he's interested in UFOs. There are not a lot of people who have that interest and the clearances. Um and I had a source tell me Eric Davis was in charge of the crash retrieval portfolio. I don't have any more details on that, but um, he also speaks his mind uh, when he he was giving interviews before his new job, the Aerospace Corporation, put a kibosh on his media. Um, it was after the New York Times article came out, and it's not some. I know there are people thinking that he was shut up because you know the powers that be don't want Eric Davis talking. That's not what it is. It's it's work related. Nothing negative, but um, he can't give media interviews. And I'm dying to hear him give media interviews because when the New York Times article came out, he's quoted talking about retrieval from off-world vehicles, and he can't give a quote because of his job. So I, a friend of mine floated an idea that we have a, a, a fund me, go fund me for him to raise like whatever he needs to retire just so he can do interviews. Um, so yeah, that memory, that knowledge... Um, an astrophysicist, it's very rare. I can't think of anybody else like that. Um, you have Travis Taylor who comes close. Um, but as far as crash retrievals, which I never was interested before, really, I I mean, I liked Roswell, but I never dove into it. And now I, 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 once these documents came out, now I went back and listened to all his interviews. It's just amazing what he's willing to share. Why is he able to share about what he does about the crash retrieval program? If it's so classified, Hal Putoff said in one of his interviews, he's like the details of crashes are classified. So I think there's a certain line they can go up to. They know what they can go up to. Maybe he's crossed over that line. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the only the, the only negative things I've seen is he speaks his mind. And sometimes if, if you piss him off, he'll, he'll say so. And he'll, he'll say so in no uncertain terms what he thinks about you. Um, but hopefully he gets to speak out soon because it's been a while since he's given an interview. I've gotten, I've gotten some quotes from him over the last couple of years, but very minimal stuff. Yeah, it'd be great to speak to Eric Davis and he is particularly kind of sparse with interviews and I know he's a much maligned figure at the moment, but uh, Stephen Greenstreet probably had one of Eric Davis's last interviews. For it was a good interview too. It was a really good it interview. Was. Yeah, I'll put the link for it in the description. Um, but yeah, that that's something that's worth checking out as well. I think it's and fair to say Stephen had more Dave- of an interest in the subject in a positive light at the time. Yeah, and that's when Davis said he was um, a consultant to the... I don't know if he called it the UAP task force, but he said the new effort, which it, yeah, he didn't give the name. He he confirmed it was whatever the organization was. Now he was a consultant, but wasn't right. being paid because there was no funding necessarily for it. Right, and funding is still an issue, by the way, with the, yeah. with the NDAA, all of that. So anyway, um, additionally, Josh has a follow up. Can Joe speak to any particular discoveries, theories, or breakthroughs that Eric Davis has spearheaded without breaking any confidences? I don't know of any breakthroughs and anything that he has would be in that massive book Lou holds up where they talk about, it's a propulsion book, uh, Frontiers in Propulsion Science. Uh, I'm not sure if there's breakthroughs, but I know he, somebody mentioned to him, the answer is I don't know, um, but somebody mentioned to him that they think what he was involved in is fringe science. And he's like, I don't consider it fringe science. I consider it 
thinking outside the box. He's known for thinking outside the box. I mean, people refer to his wormhole paper and they showed some of the pictures drawn and they made fun of him. I was like, you know, because it shows like a, a dinosaur would go through a very crude drawing uh, going through a, a portal. And it's like, you know, the science behind that, he can explain some of the science behind that, um, which I can't un- understand. Um, breakthroughs. I don't know of any particular breakthroughs. Um, I'm sure he could tell you. And I know that's not a great answer. Um, for me, it's just a combination of his knowledge, access, and interest in UFOs. Definitely. Um, something we are two people we didn't talk about, I don't think, within the body of this conversation, Joe, were Rich and Doug. Saucerlet has a question. Rich and Doug's name are mentioned several times throughout the document. Can you shed some light at all on who Rich and Doug are? They worked. They were part of the Association of Former Intelligence Officers. They also recommended Eric Davis speak with Thomas Wilson. I don't know if they knew what Wilson had encountered. I'm not sure about that. A lot of people say, you know, they mentioned, you know, that it was a new chapter beginning in, you know, the AF, AFIO chapter was beginning in 2002 and they needed speakers and Rich and Doug were involved in that. One of them may have passed away, by the way. Um, and they wanted speakers and people use the argument, well, Wilson, there's no record. And, and John Alexander has made this argument. There's no record of uh, Wilson having spoken at the the local chapter in Las Vegas. So he didn't come to Las Vegas. That's nonsense. You read the documents. There's no promise from Wilson that he's going to speak at that event. Um, let so let those- me ask you, I was going to say, Joe, because I've actually forgot to ask you the, the basic question Saucer like gave. He asks, uh, or they ask, what does Joe think of the idea Rich and Doug were actually asking Wilson about Eric Davis as a potential AFIO speaker and not Wilson as a speaker as a way to send Wilson Eric Davis's CV in the hopes Wilson would meet with him. This That's may possible. explain why John Alexander never saw Wilson at an AFIO meeting in Vegas at the time. Yeah, and I think the whole meeting who's there and who's not as a, as a red herring. Um, yeah, it's possible they wanted Eric Davis there, but um, they were part of getting Wilson and Davis together. But Oak Shannon was the main impetus for that. Uh, that theory is possible. But like I said, the whole making a big deal that Wilson did not speak there is just such, uh, that's why you see John, Ad- John Alexander saying something like that. I'm like, why are you saying that? Read the documents. It's irrelevant. There's no promise from Wilson to speak at that, you know, opening of the AFIO office in Vegas. So it's just not a big deal. And people don't have to take my word. Read it. People read it. Frank Stalter is one who made a big deal about that. And we argue he still thinks the whole thing is bogus. Um, anyway, hopefully that answers his question um, for, for Rich and Doug. Nobody that uh, I know of has spoken to them. You know, I, like I said, I think one of them passed away, but I don't think if we did get a hold of them, nobody's going to speak about it, you know, unless there's and and Andy, all these people, if if they want to make sure if the meeting happened, you want to bring all these people, put them under oath. If our goal was just to prove the document and and Wilson had this meeting at this, you know, allegedly people think it was Lockheed that he went to. Um. Yeah, you would subpoena all these people who are listed and put them under oath, give them immunity, but that's not the goal. So your, your goal is to find the crash retrieval program and the people who worked in the program. We don't know any of those names. Those are the people who need to be subpoenaed. Let me ask the fo- a follow-up from John Brim, because this, this is maybe a little bit on what you said there, but I think it's a really interesting thought. What are your thoughts, Joe, about NDAs being almost irrelevant as what really keeps these people quiet is the thought that they're nearly at the centre of the labyrinth? And like you've touched on, you know, people like Kit Green being promised that, you know, chasing that dragon, you're going to find out the big secret, you're going to know. Even people like Lou and Chris Mellon, they, they find out more and more and more but they, they always claim that they don't know everything and maybe they're, they're dangled that carrot of, you know, keep doing what you're doing and you'll find out, you know, the the big thing at the end. And that also keeps these folks from breaking these NDAs because I suppose selfishly, you would want to know. If someone said to Joe Murgia, you know, Joe, delete your Twitter account, delete your Patreon, get rid of all your social media, quit your job as a cameraman and we're going to take you into this room and we're going to tell you everything. Would Joe Murgia be tempted? I would put a t- I would be tempted, but I would put a time limit on it. If you don't tell me within a month, everything is going back. Um, okay. 
course, by that time, they killed me because I didn't go by the rules. And <laughs> yeah, you've got the bullet in the head. Yep, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. Maybe maybe they're being promised, and the skeptic would say, "Yeah, they're never going to be shown anything because it doesn't exist." Um, but that's a good point. You know, keep quiet, and we will show you the truth one day. Um, I cannot wait, Andy, because once we get one person who comes across as credible, a scientist who says, "I handled." the craft I handled, I saw it in person. If we get multiple people saying that, I know for a lot of people that's going to be part of the PSYOP, these people are all lying. But for people who are reasonable, who are able to look at somebody and see if they're lying, that's such a giant first step. I mean, the final piece is us seeing it for ourselves. I make a joke. I've made this joke before where during congressional hearings, they get a wheel, the Roswell or whatever intact craft they have, they're going to wheel it down the aisle and say, there it is. And then They'll wheel down the bodies in the containers. There you go. Because if we do get evidence and we get proof that we have bodies that are not human, then the game's over. Everything else is all, everything else is up for debate. Then if there's something non-human here, then everything related to UFOs is in play. I mean, including Skinwalker Ranch, you know, everything. So it's such a big deal. That's why I made such a big deal about this document. Um, and like I said, in my lifetime, hopefully we get the proof, not just people speaking. We need to see it. We need to see it. And you could show us pictures or something, a live shot without telling the Russians how to reverse engineer it. It's not going to help the Russians or Chinese reverse engineer just by showing the world. It's such an important secret. We need to get over that thinking. Well, talking about, you know, wanting to to find out that ultimate answer and hoping it happens, Mikey asks, what do you think the next steps are now with the Wilson Davis memo being on public record? What happens next? Uh, immunity is next. We have to wait for that immunity language to be finished. Um, and I'm not sure that we're going to get to see the next step. If they bring in these folks in these programs, it's probably going to be behind closed doors which I do not think is fair, but that's probably what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm not sure how important it is to bring in Wilson, you know, to prove that he, he was denied access. I mean, it would be great for me. Um, and he said he would still take sell. He would, if he was given immunity, he would still tell the same story. Like this is nonsense, but what do people expect him to say? First of all, he said in these documents, he would deny it no matter what. Um, but if he really does it really, this did happen. He can't tell Billy Cox, well, if I'm given immunity, I'm going to tell the real story and you're not going to believe it. He can't say that. So I don't know what people expect him to say. Um, the next step with immunity and these folks coming in. And one more thing, you know, just a little piece. 2006, Jacques Vallée wrote a book called Stratagem. And the details in that book match the Wilson Davis document. So it's like, obviously, Valet did have access to this. So this story's been around for a while. It's not something that was just made up out of thin, thin air. And Eric Davis, you know, there was a theory. People think that Eric Davis wrote this as a movie script because I think it was Greenwald who said, well, the X-Files had just been canceled and they were looking for a new UFO show. I'm like, okay, that's your theory. One of your theories, That's that didn't happen. Um but that's the next step. And we've we've spoken about it. I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, things seem to be moving fast. We keep hearing from multiple hearings within weeks. You know, I heard I didn't hear anything about time frame, just that stuff is happening behind the scenes. So just be patient. And I always tell people that I say, be patient. Stuff is happening. I mean, I've been at this for so long. The last four and a half years have been such a, an amazing pace. I know for some people it's still slow, but, you know, compared to what it was between 1996 and in 2017 this is amazing i get frustrated too at times and i also get i also get um spoiled you know i'll 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 i'll, I'll not mock but I'll, I'll i'll dismiss the three videos or if there'll be a, an article on a major newspaper i'm like ah it's not that great well we're getting articles like we never had before yeah. more people are interested in it so it's all good i just don't know, i don't know how long it's going to take to get to the next step of seeing people or at least hearing from congressional members saying we've spoke to some people, there is a crash retrieval program of UFOs. I have a friend who thinks, oh, there's a crash retrieval program, but it's not UFOs. It's just foreign technology or our technology. And this whole thing is about to bring our technology out from, from beyond the black programs into the public sector. That's what their theory is. 
Well, listen, if we've got tech that can defy gravity, break the laws of physics, then for me, that's that's fascinating in itself. But then the question still goes back to when did we break those laws of physics and right. how can we now go from jet engines to this? You know, what, what was what was the, where's the gap? How do we plug that gap in the middle? What what happened? And one of my favorite people I've spoken to on my show, Michael, or my YouTube channel, no show, but Michael Vi, he believes we've cracked gravity. Um and he, don't, he doesn't think we would ever use it unless we actually had to. So you're not going to see that technology because it's too world-changing, too economy-busting, you know, just, just totally upheaval in this world if all of a sudden we have this technology that can turn be turned into a massive weapon also. Um, and I know a lot of people push back on him about that, but I don't know. I'm still – I don't know. Like you said – if we have that technology, it's just, uh, yeah, okay, show us show us what happened. Show us. Was it the 50s when everything went black, when they were researching gravity? That's an amazing story. And why was it kept secret for all this time and with the pollution going yeah. on on this planet? It's a major can of worms. Do you know what? It's a, it's a huge conversation and one for another time. But I, I've talked about this some time ago on the podcast about, you know, if that sort of alien tech or whatever it might be came out and you're like, how, how do you, how do you even begin to release that to the public? It's like, people think that if they came out and said, well, reverse engineered a flying saucer, we can now traverse the galaxy in this incredible craft. Oh, great. So we don't have to fly anymore or drive cars. No, no, you still do because we've got one of them. Oh, so how do you reproduce it? Uh, it takes about 15 years and we can make another one. Maybe. Oh, well, are you going to give this to the public? No, because we still aren't sure on X, Y. And there's a whole conversation. Same with if you can suddenly cure an illness. How do you decide who gets the cure and when they get the cure? And that there's a whole conversation that people don't think of, that it's just things don't change tomorrow. You would still go to work. You would still drive your petrol and diesel cars, right. your hybrid cars. And yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, it's a very interesting one. Um, question from Pitt. He says, Joe, you've said on multiple occasions and throughout your blog series that you got corroborating information from trustworthy but anonymous sources. I don't want to know about those sources' names or anything, only what even vaguely they said and why you consider them trustworthy. Yeah, and I think that person asked me that the other day on Twitter. I don't know if it was corroboration of the words I used, but people in a position to know told me that the meeting took place. So... And people want me to give more details. I'm not going to give more details. Um, I don't want to risk outing these people whatsoever. So I don't want to say, I just, within the last year, that information came to me. And it wasn't something I reached out for. I wasn't asking questions about Wilson Davis. It's just, they offered up that information. Um, How do you know they weren't lying to you? Say again? How do you know they weren't lying to you? Let me I be devil's advocate here. Yeah, that's that's me judge me making a judgment call. It's not like the only thing I heard from these folks, um, and I do have a pretty good track record. And as an example, one source told me two years ago, like I said, Travis Taylor works for the UAP task force. Didn't use the UAP task force name, but when I heard that. Knapp was doing something on the chief scientist. I told people behind the scenes, I'm like, I think that's Travis Taylor. That's based on a source. So 100% accurate information. Um, New York Times is writing an article. It's going to be on crash retrievals. Accurate sources, all accurate. Uh, New York Times is writing an article in 2017. Got that beforehand. Accurate. So I have been lied to before, Andy, though. And and I knew as soon as the information came in, I'm like, this is not true. Uh, I've also been pumped up on the phone with really, you just explained it was about Wilson Davis. And somebody said, you just, and I explained why I thought it was legitimate. And they said, your explanation is probably the best explanation I've ever heard. And I knew it wasn't because I didn't really make an effort. It was just like, I just said, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this person is for whatever reason, they're pumping me up, trying to make me feel better, which is, a, I would think that's maybe an Intel trick, you know, the people in this world. Um, so I do pay attention to that. And I do question things. I don't think I was lied to, but only time will tell. So, um, you know, let's see what Gallagher uncovers. And I think I would think if we do like say Wilson Davis, they say, listen, we don't care about Wilson Davis. We care about the crash retrieval program. If that is proven, I hope people accept, I would think it, maybe Eric Davis can talk about it at that point. Um, but I would think people would accept this was legitimate. So it would be another source that was accurate. Um, but I can't prove it. I can't prove I wasn't lied to. I do think about it though. It's not like, don't think about it. It's not like I hear something's right away up. Oh, that's true. 100%. 
um, I had my own opinion before those sources told me that. So it was just, it was just confirmation for me, not for anybody else. And I realized I can't tell anybody who the sources are. So it kind of sucks for them. Um, but you're gonna, we're going to have to wait and see on this one. Yeah, I think with the history of this subject, and I was saying this to some of the, the UK guys in the group chat just yesterday or the day before without going into detail, Like, I think it's a little bit foolhardy in this subject to, to not at least, even with your, your hardest hardcore beliefs, depending on sources, that you, you keep that 1% back of, yeah, but what if it's not true? You know, and, and I've used the example I've said before, I'm I'm a, a, a fan, if you want to call it that, of Louis Elizondo, what he's done, the work he does and, and what he's managed to get out himself, Chris Mellon and others. But I think you've got to keep that 1% of, given the history and nature of this subject and what we're right. talking about, what if it came out tomorrow that they were all disinfo guys and, you know, you have to move on and you have to be able to do that and just have that element of what would be next and have that conversation and at least understand why other people are distrusting or unsure and uncomfortable when it comes to sources or, or commitment in the subject because there's a long history of of lies and yeah, misinfo. I, I understand that. I do understand it. The problem I have is when people say, well, they used to work for the DOD, so they're lying. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. There are people who work in the government who have had experiences. There are people who work in the government who have an interest in this subject. Well, Richard Doty was a CI counterintelligence agency. So, you know, Lou Elizondo is too. So they're both liars. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to take every case on an individual basis. Um, look, look, when I said to you that I'm open to the PSYOP, I, I, I leave a little bit open to the PSYOP angle where it's black technology they're trying to get out. You would have not heard that from me a few months ago. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep my mind open to everything, all possibilities. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Keep your mind open to the possibility you're being fed nonsense. Although people think I'm a believer, I'm not. Um, but I do have strong opinions on some of this stuff. Yeah, I've got a pie chart of all my UFO interests and everything's in that pie chart. But <laughs> in that 1% bracket, there's a little other category. And within that, there's the interest in the fact that Linda Moulton Howe is speaking to people who are based as super soldiers in Antarctica, dealing Ugh. with human-alien hybrids. And there's that, oh, wouldn't it be great if that were true, but it's probably yeah. not. But let's just park it over there in that other category. And that's great if people want to discuss that. So um, I, but I'm, I'm going way off on a tangent now. Um, no, no, no. I, I, agree. I, I agree. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I agree. I love some of the stories she tells and some of her sources, but it's like, it's a I story. need to see some evidence. I mean, I don't hear that anywhere else. I mean, I would that would be the most amazing story. Super soldiers, we're going to Mars. We have jump rooms. Incredible. But <laughs> did did you like, ever listen, Joe, to Andrew D. Basiaggio? Yes, my ex wife yeah. loved him. She wanted him to. Right. She wanted him to run for president. I'm like, yeah, come he, on, he, right? Okay, so for anyone unaware, and some of you may be, but very quickly, before I had the podcast and before To the Stars Academy and all that stuff, I used to watch some of his his lectures on YouTube, and they go for four and five hours. Oh. He speaks so eloquently. He he never really trips up in his story. He talks about, to very quickly give you an idea of it, how as a child, his father was involved in the military, intelligence, etc. He was a bit of a child prodigy. He was picked along with others, including Barack Obama, um, as children to jump in these special jump rooms across the States. They've jumped to Mars. They've traveled back in time, you know, birth of Christ, all that kind of stuff. And he was picked to be president. But each time a presidential election came on, something happened that the timeline shifted and it moved along. Um, something weird happened, though, that in the last couple of years, apparently, I don't know how true this is, he's kind of gone away and he, he lost his eyesight and went blind. Oh, I, I, know that. I don't know if that's that's correct or not. Just the guy who runs his Facebook page. And it's it was always, for me, a great, wow, what if that was even partly true? But until Barack Obama comes out and goes, oh, that's my friend Andy Vassiaggio. And yeah, I remember him from the jump rooms back on Mars. Then it's always just going to be that story. But yeah, totally oh. digressing. But that that kind of stuff used to really interest me. But just as a, a guilty pleasure. Look, this is my Barack Obama. Uh, look, uh, Andy and I, went we went to Mars together. Uh, look, uh, we had a great time. And uh, Hillary was my vice president on Mars. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hope it. It would be a great story, and it would be great if it was true. I yeah. hope we have jump rooms, but you know, we don't have. We have to leave that, like you said, in the other bin, and hopefully one day, you know, we're totally blown away and said, "What a bunch of idiots we were." We thought Andy, Randy Kramer, and and Andrew Bisaggio or 
And there's another, there's so many other guys like that too. There's a Corey Good, all those folks. I think he was one of those guys too that talked about a jump room, right? Or no? Yeah, some, something along those lines, yeah. I but... shouldn't have uttered that name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nah, again. nah you've invoked the name. Um, but maybe that'll be page 18 of the memo when that comes out one day. Uh, <laughs> question from Phil. Phil asks, I wonder whether there is a connection between the memo and Skinwalker Ranch, as Bob Bigelow is strangely and intimately tied to both. Any thoughts? I don't know if Bigelow is really tied to this. I mean, he's not, he he's not named, is he? Like, and, no, and Eric Davis was not working for NIDS at the time. Like I said, um, the more interesting thing is to figure out who Marriott. I don't know. As far as Skinwalker, I don't know of any tie. Um, the most interesting person in this, in this document is Mary Elliott. Um, nobody knows. I've asked, I have gotten a big, sorry, can't tell you anything about her. Um, there was a, a, a researcher who, think figured thought she figured out who she was and what aerospace company she was connected to but i was told that was incorrect um if people remember brit on twitter so i don't know but mary elizabeth elliott and the trw story i think it's crash retrieval related um it's the biggest mystery i've not been able to find anything her her lawyer jeffrey griffith he's been on some you know some ufo related websites making comments but not related to that so Possibly is that is that an alias that was used, a pseudonym, you know? So. I don't think I was not told it was an alias. I was just told, sorry, I cannot tell you anything about her. Um, so what is so secret? Is it it's gotta be crash retrieval related. If it's that secret, it just says it says Wilson says Mary Elliott sounds like the real deal based on her info and behavior with her attorney. Probably will only come totally clean on her deathbed 30 years from now. It's like, what is that? That's for me. That's the biggest mystery of this document. Um, I don't know how to find out about her. Like I said, I asked somebody who might know, and it was like, sorry, can't tell you anything. Well, I think except I was told the person who Britt found, who she thought was Mary Elliot, was not the person. Whether or not I was lied to to cover up this, you know, that Britt was accurate, I don't know. And I told Britt that I'm like, maybe my information is a lie. I don't know, but that's what I. That's what I have. Brett kind of came and went. Brett disappeared. And yeah, I don't know where whole, she went. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole story there, but we won't go into I that. Another story. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Not shocked. Um, Third Eye asks a question. I want to know why uh, Joe thinks we are being kept in the dark about this. Why can we not be told the truth in your view? What is it we can't be told? Why can't we have the basics at least? Yeah. Um. There's so many possibilities. One, it doesn't exist. So there is no truth. Two, it's all technology. You know, they don't want to let this technology out and they want to milk it for as much money as possible. And, you know, my opinions are all across the board. I don't know. Um, three, the story is so ridiculously unsettling that they just don't feel they can tell the general public without total, you know, people panicking. And, and Lou Elizondo has said, well, you know, we've had disclosure. The government's telling you the UAP are real. People haven't freaked out. I'm like, first of all, the general, the masses have not accepted that this is real. Number two, just because there are craft in the sky, the backstory has not been explained. If the backstory has anything with to do with humans being manipulated by something non-human or something that's above us in the food chain, people aren't going to be able to accept that easily. Um, what other reasons why, you know, there's a, there's a Kit Green quote in the alien autopsy email. Um, he talks about some of the pictures he was shown before the alien autopsy video came out that he says match the alien autopsy. He says the people in charge just don't think we we deserve to know the truth. You know, we're more worried about football on Sunday, um, you know, and celebrities. We can't handle, we can't even understand how important this is, so we should not be told the truth. And it's like you look at society and it's like they might have a point there because most people care more about Kim Kardashian than they do about ufos we can't it's still a problem andy we still can't get the masses interested i mean i know it's changing but it's very slow um joe so I, a lot of possibilities. Funny. I i mentioned jokingly johnny depp earlier and his mega pint but I, I remember when the hearings were on on live i think someone commented how there were forty thousand views at the time on that particular channel and that's so many more than normally that channel gets and wow isn't this amazing and i said yeah but at the same time there were four million people watching johnny depp versus amber heard i was in the kitchen watching on youtube the congressional hearing my wife was in my sitting room living room watching court courtroom tv with johnny depp and amber heard and she had no interest in the u.s stuff i was telling her oh they're, they're talking about roswell they've mentioned 
crashes and metamaterials and all this stuff and she was like all right yeah but listen to this lawyer this guy's funny and it's that's not <laughs> a slight on my wife but no. that's just where the general populace are at with this conversation still that those two conversations could be happening and it's infinitely more popular as to what's happening between jack sparrow and aquaman's girlfriend and i and i made an effort not to watch it i mean i think i tuned in one day for a minute and like turn it off and i love I love courtroom legal stuff, but on this one, I'm like, no, no. And there's too much other stuff going on, like you said. So it's a little depressing. And you know, my family is still, I've had some bites here and there. I've had people at work say, yeah, I'm interested. Send me stuff. And then I send them. They're like, thanks. Nothing else. They don't want to hear from me again. Um, I've had that happen several times. Joe, I'm going to finish off with a, a negative question, but just to be fair and address the balance of everything as well. This was from uh, Area503, who was having a little bit of a troll, I think, on the Twitter feed. But it's I'm okay. going to ask this to cover all the bases. I know you won't mind. I never do. No, um, it's fine. Joe, why would you dive into a document that has been proven to be entirely false? Save your time. Admiral Wilson has categorically denied this meeting took place and even stated, I would not know Eric Davis if he walked up to me and said hi. You know, it's like, and when I was, when I was working on the document where I wasn't sure if it was realized, I dove in, um, I had an experience where I worked on an article, um, a really not, not as big as this one, but I worked on an article where I came to a conclusion. I thought I was the only one that knew this. And when it turned out I was wrong and it was such a, a kick to the gut and it was related to sports and a rape case, um, so when I was, and it was, it was definitely, it hurt me because I was like, my God, you were delusional to think that you were right about this and nobody else in the world knew except you. This is a little different, obviously, because I have sources, but still along the way, as, as I was working on it, I'm like, what if this is happening again? You made this mistake one time. You were so obsessed by this. You couldn't see the truth. Maybe this is what's going on here. Um, so yeah, I did think about that. Um, it took me a long time to finally, you know, form my opinion on this. And one thing I say, I'm friends with Eric Davis. He knew I was working on this document or this mega blog. Not once did he ever say, Hey, don't waste your time. Um, he's also never denied it. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal to me. Um, that's not evidence of anything, you know, but I consider him a friend, a pretty good friend. As far as an internet friend, we've only spoken on the phone once. Um, I would think he would say like, you know, just, just wait, don't waste. He knew how long, how he knew I was working night and day on it. So never told me stop. He did give me a quote for it related to Edgar Mitchell, you know, and which I, I, I talked about before how it leaked from his estate. Um, so yeah, um, always thought about it. Wilson's denials will always give me pause because they're really, really strong. Um, I don't know, even if Wilson was given immunity, I don't know what's going through his mind if he would still deny it. But like I said, he is not the important part here. These documents are great for discussion. I love them. They're not the important part of the story. Let's see if we ever get information from people who worked in these programs. That's the most important thing. Get them immunity. Um, and if people don't believe this is legitimate, that's fine. Um, it's, it's kind of a waste of time to argue at this point. Um, early on, you probably would have maybe think twice. Now I don't, but I understand people are skeptical. That you know, that that's not a totally rare opinion, what you just read to me. Um, whether or not I wasted this much time on it, we shall see. Joe, I think you've nicely wrapped up the what I was going to ask you to do at the end anyway. Thank you very much for your time in this inaugural deep dive episode. I think rather than timeline, it's been more of a deep dive, and that's a better name for it going forward. Um, Joe, I've I've never hidden the fact that I support you on Patreon because I really do appreciate the work you do. I think your, your blogs are fantastic. The information held within there is great. I don't always like anyone. I don't always agree with you on Twitter, but... I enjoy the way you engage with folks and how active you are and, and how knowledgeable you are in those contacts as well. So thank you very much from myself because I really do appreciate the work you do. I appreciate that, Andy, very much. Uh, love your shows. I always play them when I'm around here cleaning the house. And Travis Taylor was great. And also, please, people, check out for all of the details. Check out Dolan's Deep Dive with Mr. X and Giuliano Marankovic. You, you need Marankovic. You need to link to his his website. Has every link about Wilson Davis. You know from the beginning. It's just amazing work by Giuliano, who just does it for the love of it. Guy never gets burned out either. 
it's amazing. But thank you, Andy. I had a great time. All of those links are in the description for this show. Uh, you should see my first interview with Joe himself, where we discuss your background, your research, your thoughts, opinions. So if anyone's wondering, you know, Joe Murgia, you know, you've not asked about his background and stuff. We've done all that before. That link will be there. Check out Joe's website, ufojoe.net. Please follow Joe on Twitter. Uh, Joe, what's your Twitter handle? Because it changed, it's didn't it, when you lost the account? At the UFO Joe. At the UFO Joe. You'll see, Joe's got like 22,500 followers or something now, so you'll, you'll know the right one, and he's very active on there as well. Um, I've got the links to the documents themselves will be in the description, Giuliano's website, uh, Richard Dolan's five-hour deep dive, the Basement Office episode, and also the link to Jacques Vallée's stratagem book, which uh, Joe mentioned as well before. Hope you've enjoyed this show. It's the first of many to come, and if you've got any suggestions for a further deep dive, let me know what you would want that to be and any potential guests. And once again, Joe, thanks for your time. Thanks again, Andy. Hope to do it again sometime in the future. Consider your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life.